Well, I want to start this morning by saying thank you to Dr. Carl Addison from Earthen Vessels Ministries and Indiana Ministries for uh, preaching for me in this place last Sunday so that my wife and I could enjoy a, a trip to celebrate our 40th anniversary. I know we don't look like we've been married for 40 years, um, but uh, hey, uh, what can I say? I married a child bride. That's all I, that's all I can say to you. Um, but uh, I want to thank Carl. Uh, Carl was actually in our wedding 40 years ago. So that, that's kind of a, a full circuit kind of thing for, our, for us. Um, and we had the opportunity. Uh, our original plans were canceled due to COVID, like many of you uh, on your summer plans. But, but uh, we did have the opportunity to go to Missouri and spend last Sunday morning on our actual anniversary. Uh, renewing our vows, and that, that was a very special time uh, for us. In fact, it kind of leads into what I want to talk about this morning, because you see, um, there, there's these stories in the Bible that we think we know. <laughs> there are these stories in the Bible that we, we hear certain parts of the story preached or taught over and over and over again, and, and as I've spent my life in the Scriptures, I've discovered that, quite honestly, we keep missing some of the story. And so, this summer, we've been exploring the book of Acts, and we've talked about it being, you know, the stories of God's people, your story, my story, our stories together. And this morning, I, I really want to, to take a minute and, and look at one of those stories that we think we know, uh, a story that, that comes out of the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, uh, a story that, quite honestly, feels familiar, and yet if we don't connect the dots we miss the fact that it's one of the most powerful statements of what God can do in our life that you'll ever read in Scripture. And it has somewhat to do with remembering something that took place before, kind of like renewing your vows in a, in a wedding uh, ceremony for an anniversary like what Becky and I did last week. See, the story takes place after the apostle Peter and John have been uh, sharing the message that Carl Addison shared with you last week to the people who saw this man who had been healed as, at the beautiful gate where Peter and John had, had been going into the temple to pray, and there was this man who had been lame from birth, and, and he asked them for money and, and alms, and they said, no, we don't have any of that. Our pockets are empty, and so what we do have, we give to you. And so they healed him in the name of Jesus. And when he went into the temple with them, leaping and praising God for all he had done in his life, then all of the people in the temple began to gather around. And, and as they did that, then Peter took the opportunity to, to say to them, hey, look, this wasn't from us. This is what God did. And God did an amazing thing in healing him. And God wants to do an amazing thing in you because, see, all of this comes from Jesus. All of it comes from Jesus. And as he's talking is when the, the deja vu moment starts again. You know, it's kind of like the old uh, Yogi Berra, the baseball manager for the Yankees who used to say, it's deja vu all over again, which is really redundant for those of you who understand what deja vu means. It's like, okay, we're going to do this over and over and over. And, and this is when the moment starts for Peter. Because as Peter is telling them about who Jesus is, then the high priest, head security guard, the temple officer, and members of the Sanhedrin, the, the priests and, and scribes and Pharisees, saw what was happening. This was taking place in the temple. 
And so they saw this huge crowd gathering. In fact, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 4 that over 5,000 men accepted Jesus Christ into their life that day as a result of what Peter and John were telling them and what they witnessed in this healing of a, a lame beggar. If it's 5,000 men, culturally, you need to understand in the first century, that doesn't count the women who were there that day. So we're looking at a, at a very significant event in the temple. And so here comes the head of security, who is second only to the chief priest, and bringing with him members of the Sanhedrin, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they come, and now they're seeing this, these two men, these these two fishermen, Peter and John, and, and they see the impact that this, this healing is having on people. And that's when the deja vu all over again moment starts, because they arrest Peter and John. Now, I want to read you the story, and I want you to see if you can catch the similarities in this story to the night that Jesus was arrested. Because Luke very carefully very carefully connects the two in his language, in his description. If you remember the story of Jesus' arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, of Peter's denial of Jesus in the house courtyard, the house of the high priest, listen as I read for you from Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. As Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired of Peter and John, by what power or by what name did you do this miracle? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, then let it be known to you, to all of you, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is healed. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is, no, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we might be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. 
But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name of Jesus. So they called Peter and John back into the room and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must be the judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Now, why would I read you that story and tell you it's a deja vu all over again moment? Because it is one of the most pivotal signs of what God can do when we fail in our life. If you know the story of Peter and John, you know the fact that when Jesus was arrested, a couple of things happened. First of all, he was arrested at night. The Sanhedrin, the 70 people plus the high priest, so the 71 men who gathered to make judgments for the people of Israel about whether or not something was proper or not, never met at night. Not one time, except one time. It was not their custom to meet in the evening. They always met in the morning. In this passage, Luke tells us that they followed their custom because when Peter and John were confronted and arrested for teaching in the temple about the resurrection of Jesus, they were put in jail overnight until the Sanhedrin would meet the next morning. And by saying that, Luke is reiterating the fact that when Jesus was arrested and tried at night, by the same group of people, by Caiaphas, by the same people listed here in the high priest's house, that it, it was not right, that what they did to Jesus was wrong, and that that night, if you remember, it was John who allowed, through his connections, the, the Peter to get into the, the courtyard around Caiaphas's house while the trial was going on. But, but you have to understand how the trial worked. Because when the Sanhedrin met to try to discern what was going on, these 70 people would form their chairs in a circle. And they would place the accused in the midst of the circle. And they would pester them with questions from all over. And, and they, would, they would reach out to them, and that's how they tried to get, that they would stand them in the middle. And on that night, in an illegal court, Jesus is put in the middle of this group. But now, weeks, a couple of months later, now that Jesus has been resurrected, now that Jesus has spent 40 days teaching the disciples the impact of the Scriptures that they had learned from the time they were children, now that the, the disciples have seen the power of the Holy Spirit come into their life and the lives of other people, now that Peter's been reconciled back to Jesus after his denial of Jesus, now suddenly the deja vu all over again moment is that Peter is right back in the same place. And the question, if you're reading Luke's gospel and then reading the book of Acts, is, is Peter going to do the same thing again? The question that was going on in Peter's mind is, am I going to cave in again? 
Am I going to deny that I know Jesus again? But the power of the story is that Peter doesn't cave in. The power of the story, as I just read it to you, is that Peter stands in the midst of a circle of 70 of the wisest, most powerful people in his culture, and he says to them, you need to know what's going on with a courage and a boldness that didn't come from him. He says, this man who's been lame since birth and is over 40 years old is now standing straight and walking in your presence because of the power of Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Messiah, who is the Christ. Peter didn't cave this time. This time he got a do-over. This time he got another opportunity. God gave him another opportunity to stand and witness. And this time, instead of saying, hey, I don't know who Jesus is. (laughs) This time he said, let me tell you who Jesus is. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a Savior who can come and take brokenness and heal it. I'm talking about a Savior who can come and take confusion and make clarity. I'm talking about a Savior who can come and take failures like me, people who denied him when the pressure was on, and give us a courage. In fact, did you hear the way Luke said it when I read it? With a boldness of the Holy Spirit. I I know that Peter had to be remembering that day. It's recorded for us in Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12, where Jesus had said to Peter and John and the other disciples, hey, listen, there's coming a day when you're going to be brought in front of people and you're going to be questioned about who I am and what I did and and why I did it. And what I want you to know is this, I don't want you to worry about that day. Because when that day comes, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You don't have to pre-plan your speech. Do you remember the first time you had to plan a speech? You remember the first time you had to plan a speech for that high school speech class? How nervous you were? How you're wondering if you're going to have the right, the right stuff to do it. You're going to say the right things. You're going to get the grade. And then you stand up. And the first time that you ever speak in front of people, some of you are looking at me like, you did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you did that too, I hope. Some of you are like, no, I wouldn't take that. Okay, take that anxiety you've got and understand that what we're talking about here is having that anxiety multiplied almost by infinity (laughs) because now you're standing in front of people 70 of them in a circle you're in the midst of the circle and what they decide decides whether you live or die and what's going on is that is that now in this moment in this place you have to decide who is this Jesus? A lot of talk these days about Jesus. A lot of different opinions these days about what Jesus would do or what Jesus wouldn't do. But when you read Scripture, here's what you find out. This Jesus of the Bible changes us when we encounter him. And for Peter and John, this story from Acts chapter 4 that quite honestly many of us just read over and talk about, well, yeah, they were, they were arrested and they were taken the next day to trial. No, we don't see the connection. Every step of the story I read for you parallels the arrest and, and interrogation and ultimate death of Jesus at the hands of the Romans because it was this same group of people working out of the same paradigm 
who now have Peter and John in their presence. But this time, this time, Peter doesn't cave. This time, John doesn't have to stand at the foot of a cross of a friend. This time, this time, because of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in him, the change that had happened in his life, this time, the message of the gospel is shared. And some of it's shared in massive confrontation. I mean, think about it. Peter's looking at the guys who can take his life, and he says to them, hey, wait a minute. I want you to know the Jesus that you rejected, yeah, he's the capstone. He's the cornerstone. He's the foundation of everything you say you believe, but you're denying everything you say you believe. You see, something changed in Peter. And that something was he found the forgiveness and the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus for his own failure. In the crazy times in which we're living, in the chaos of our corporate communities, I would suggest to you that what we really need is not an experience of your Jesus or my Jesus or dear Jesus or the Hallmark Jesus or any other Jesus we can come up with except one, the biblical Jesus. And the biblical Jesus isn't subjected to your opinion or mine. He is the Son of God. Peter said it this way, there's nobody else, no other name any human can utter that provides for us the salvation, the wholeness, the healing, the redemption that we need. And Peter said it to people who hated the very words he said. See, what I believe is that Peter could say that and you and I can live that way because we get the opportunity to experience the Jesus of the Bible. It was that Jesus that restored Peter after Peter's denial that Peter was talking about. It was that Jesus who, who promised Peter and the other disciples his spirit in the midst of conflict that G Peter was talking about. That, that Jesus who opened up the Scriptures for 40 days and 40 nights to let the disciples understand that they didn't really know what they thought they knew, but there was more truth than they knew. It was that Jesus who sent His Spirit into their hearts and their lives so that experiencing the Jesus of the Bible changed the way that Peter viewed himself. And it changes the way we view ourselves. Look at it again. As they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, experiencing the Jesus of the Bible, changes the way we view ourselves, suddenly we're able to see what He sees and to live the way He called us to live. Experiencing the Jesus of the Bible does something else for us too, though. 
It also changes the way we view the broken lives around us. Did you, did you notice who was with them? The, the, the man who had been crippled that morning, but the day before. I love the fact that this man who went to the gate beautiful the day before is now standing in the midst of the Sanhedrin with Peter and John, surrounded by the 71 authority figures in the world that he knew. And he's standing with them because the Jesus who made him whole is the one who empowered these men. And I love the fact that Peter and John, when they're talking about it, said, look, we did a kind deed for this man, and you're inquiring about that. See, when you experience the Jesus of the Bible, it changes the way you look at the broken people around you. You no longer look at them as, as people who are to be pitied. You no, no longer look at them as people who, who, who deserve your sympathy. You no longer look at them as, as the poor people around you. No, you look at them as your brother and sister in Christ. You look at them as a part of who you are, regardless of their background, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their economic status, and yes, even regardless of their race. These are the same, they are the same as you, as D.L. Moody said so many years ago, there but by the grace of God go I. The God of the Bible changes the way we view ourselves and the way we view the broken lives around us. Look at the way Peter said it. Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning this good deed done to a crippled man, by what means he's been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, but has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men or women by which we might be saved. See, when you experience the Jesus of the Bible, and He changes the way you view yourself, and He changes the way he, you, you view broken people, then suddenly He also changes the way you view the people in power. This is not the, this is not the, the Peter who stood in the garden outside Caiaphas' house saying, I don't know who Jesus is, because he was afraid of dying. This is the Peter who, filled with the Spirit of God, now has a courage that lets him stand in front of the highest authority he'll ever meet humanly in his world and say, you know what? I don't care how powerful you are. I don't care what you do to shape the world. What I know is the world has been shaped by its creator. His son, his only son has come, and his son, his son is the cornerstone. He is the one upon which all of our lives are to be built. And even if you reject him, I'm not rejecting him. Not at all. Look at the way he keeps talking to them. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. By the way, that's not a slam on Peter and John, or that uncom that the fact that they were uneducated and common men. What they're saying is these guys didn't go to rabbinical synagogue. They didn't go to the schools of learning. They simply have had this encounter 
with Jesus. Did you see it? And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I keep waiting for the world to recognize those who've been with Jesus. Maybe it it doesn't recognize us because we've not taken a view of ourselves and a view of the broken and a view of those in power that lines up with the biblical Jesus. But if we do, what I know is that we will stun the world seeing the man who was healed standing beside them. They had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what are we going to do with these guys? You see, when you experience the biblical Jesus, and it changes how you view yourself and how you view the broken and how you view the people in power, then suddenly experiencing that Jesus takes you to a place where you have a different view of the future. A view that's based on who Jesus is. This time, unlike the previous time, Peter stood in the power of the Spirit because he remembered who Jesus is.